Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here for the Wednesday edition of Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network. Fast first hour. Coming up, Clay Travis joins us in 20 minutes. A bit later, Andy Staples of On3. Looking forward to both. Uh, so news is coming everywhere on this Michigan Connor Stallion everywhere. scandal, including our YouTube chat, where uh, Richard Salino writes in to our show and says, in the Oregonian today, and you may have known this, but I've not heard this news yet. Michigan analysts went to Alton Stadium and watched the game against Washington, meaning they already knew. This is the Washington-Oregon game this year. Meaning they already knew both of them going to the Big Ten. Unbelievable. I don't see it as them going to the Big Ten no. as their possible college football playoff opponents. That's what they're scouting in, in that regard. They're not scouting for next year, knowing the signs will probably change before they get to the Big Ten. That is for playoff competition. I go back to the the paranoia of all this is so one coach in this article from yesterday, Chad, at ESPN with Rittenberg, said that he can get everything he needs as far as hand signals and signs off of three to four games of the coaching all twenty two footage, where the you can zoom in, zoom out, and you can see what's going on on the field. Uh, and if you could compare the TV broadcast to a condensed version to uh, the, the coach's tape. The coaches are so paranoid. Wouldn't you change up your signals? Like, I, that can't be that difficult. Like in, or, or it's like a, uh, if you're looking down third baseline for, for your third base coach for the sign of what you're going to do, sometimes it's the sign after another signal, and then you, the other trigger for the actual sign is... You change that part up, right? Like the the fact that all all these coaches hate people that come in and watch practice and and everything else. The the fact that they didn't change these up as often as you would think is also surprising. I think probably a lot do change their signals, but Michigan's doing it for a reason. Sure. So there's someone that's not. I would say most, or at least uh, Tennessee's an example, and you see this sometimes where guys have different colored shirts on the sideline. Right, yes. So they have like four or five yep. people doing signals. So that would be – you'd have to watch really four or five, six games because there's different ones. That's the It's like the indicator in, in baseball, the example, the sign. You know, across the chest, then everything – the next one after that or the second one after that is the signal. You can change that so many times where it's very difficult to pick off those signals. If you change the person delivering the sign – and what color the quarterback's looking at, it would be you would have to scout more in order to get those signals. But if they're doing this, it means it's probably worked at some point, which tells me that to your question, Hutton, not everyone changes them enough. Yeah, but it's also got to be very difficult to do it. You know, like th- yes. to change them up midweek uh, going into a big game. I think it's also got to be difficult to translate it quickly, communication wise, yes. to your players in the field. Oh, here's a signal. You might have four seconds. Okay, that means this, you know, and then preparing 
the play for that and, and everything else that goes into it. But again, not to get blinded by the logistics of this, there's a reason Michigan was doing. So that's what everyone's got to look into. The biggest question that I want answered is we all acknowledge that with a lot of schools, the old, if you're not cheat, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying type thing. They're going to push the boundary. They're going to push the envelopes of what they can do and what they can get away with. There's no expressly written rule that says don't steal signs, whether it's frowned upon or not, which it sounds like it's not even really frowned upon because it's not, it's not a rule. But what is a rule is not scouting off-site. So how many programs are doing it this way, the exact same way Michigan is? Are they the outlier in this? How many are doing it in a, more, in a way that's more clandestine and getting away with it? I don't know that we'll ever know the answer to this other than coaches just telling stories in a back room about what goes on. But I would love for more to go on the record about exactly what's happening out there. Before you can really draw the conclusion on Michigan and what the punishment should be, I'd like to know how prevalent this is across college football. Because again, while some are saying, man, this seems pretty far-fetched, what they were doing, they're going above and beyond – I'm not hearing a lot of coaches coming out and saying Jim Harbaugh is really wrong for doing this or this is really crazy what's going on. There's not a lot of comments that extreme about it. So need to know more about the entire atmosphere around stealing signs in college football before drawing any conclusions. But it looks bad for Michigan regardless that they had a guy on staff doing this that seemed to be just hired only to do these things. Chad, uh, things are bad as well for the USC Trojans. Um, they're not winning big football games and USC football is never boring. Lincoln Riley is under doctor's orders, staying at home. We begin our scorched earth headlines on hot my with Hutton and Withrow. Um, staying at home and Cliff Kingsbury elevated to the, the spot, the head coaching spot as they take on Cal this upcoming weekend on the road. How about that? Coming off of back-to-back losses and now Lincoln Riley, with an illness under doctor's orders, told to stay at home and not coach the team. It's um, When it rains, it pours. Yeah, and I hate that my mind went here, but I, I don't know if yours did, Hutton. When I saw that he was missing his coaching show for a sickness, my immediate thought was convenient that they're not allowing players to speak after the loss, yeah. and now suddenly the coach has come down with, a, yeah. with an illness, and he's not going to speak on his coach's show. He's clearly obviously sick. He's so missed we, two practices. Yeah, we wish him well. He, there's clearly a, an actual illness going on here with Lincoln Riley, so hopefully he gets better. Uh, but, you know, I, I, this is – remember when everything went on with Lane Kiffin and Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin leaving for FAU and all the back and forth yes. about how Lane Kiffin didn't handle it correctly according to Coach Saban? And remember who they had on staff that was able to call plays for them? Wasn't it Steve Sarkeesian that was an analyst? Oh, yes. That they called up? I mean, hell of a luxury that Cliff Kingsbury, regardless of what you thought about his work with the Arizona Cardinals, is on staff as an analyst that you can call up from the minors to be an assistant coach on game day and help you call plays or help with your offense. Same luxury that Nick Saban had when Lane Kiffin was flirting with Florida Atlantic. Or I think he took the job. He was just doing too much recruiting and work for the next job. Where uh, Remember Kirby Smart handled it correctly 
when he took the job, so he got to stay on and coach for Alabama in the national championship. But Nick Saban, but Lane Kiffin didn't. Kiffin couldn't do it. I'm thinking. He was too involved. I get it. You want to see it through with the team you're on when you're playing for everything. I also think it's a little, you know, over the top in those instances that the head coach doesn't understand as a head coach, this guy's got to get to work at their next job quickly as well. And so they've got to do a little bit of both. They have assistant coach uh, Dennis Simmons, who's uh, running the program. And then uh, Cliff Kingsbury is just the analyst and consultant who is uh, stepping up into the role of working with Caleb Williams and running that offense as they take on Cal. I, I mean, if you look ahead to their schedule, Chad, there's two more losses on there. And it's based on the defense. And the uh, inept defense at that, they, they can't tackle. Not even they can't cover, they can't tackle. Um, it's a gauntlet. This week shouldn't be one of them. No. I'm tempted on wrong team favored, though. I am. I, well, uh, please give me all the hints that you can about what you're thinking, because I need one winner at some point this season. Um, there's got to be a change defensive coordinator after this season. I, I, don't, I don't see any way around it now. Uh, I don't love calling for people's jobs. But if you're Lincoln Riley, you're recruiting at a high level, you've got the offense, you've had the quarterback, you're not going to win anything of consequence with Caleb Williams because they lost the, they could have won a conference title a year ago, but they lost the Pac-12 championship. And they had Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams on that team. When you look at what Jordan Addison's doing right now with the Vikings, lost that Pac-12 championship to Utah. Defense is holding them back now. Offense wasn't great against uh, Notre Dame or Utah either, but – it's defense that's the problem. They gotta they gotta make a change. And they're just reading columnists and uh, reporters that are following the program uh, every day. They they uh, the majority believe it's not just one coaching change that that corrects this, that actually puts USC in the real national championship contender slot, even in a twelve team playoff. Like they'll, they can make the playoff, but not really hoist the, the trophy is what they mean, just by one coaching change because it's more of a recruiting philosophy. And uh, Lincoln Riley didn't have great defenses at Oklahoma. You know, it was, it's, they, it's they were, hard. remember that Texas game? Yeah. Where it was 50, what was it, 55 to 53 or something? Like, uh, it kind of follows him. Certain coaches just don't, just don't lean into the defensive side. Well, and when you're a guy that you you made your bones calling offensive plays, like Lincoln Riley did, and you're yeah. known as this offensive guru, it's very difficult to then have uh, an identity of toughness and defensive play mixed with an explosive offense. It's usually all or all or nothing. Um, they need some of that, and I, it's you're right. It's not going to take one coaching change to do that, but. It feels like a program right now. Not that they're – this isn't A&M a year ago where they're hitting no. rock bottom or anything and they need a complete reset. But they do need a tweak in their attitude and how that program is managed and how it's run and everything else. Here's what I'll also say about USC football. It is tough when your brand is Hollywood in Southern California and it's Snoop Dogg and Will Ferrell on the sideline to suddenly become a tough-minded football program. That that becomes your identity of hard-hitting, good defensive players. We're, we're more physical. We're tougher than our opponent. Kyle Whittingham has that with Utah. He's attracting those types of dudes to Utah that are overlooked by USC, quite frankly. 
in recruiting rankings that aren't that, that maybe aren't as talented as other, but they've got an identity there. If you want to shift your mindset and mentality to be tougher, to be more physical, I think it's tough to do at USC unless you have the right dudes leading it. Here's an example. Pete Carroll, when he was the coach there, he's Hollywood. He's a surfer-looking guy. He brought all the celebrities back on the sideline. He also had, was it All Out Wednesday or Thursday or whatever it was, where they would go full pads, and they had future first-round draft picks knocking the piss out of each other in practice and suffering injuries in practice. But he did it for a couple reasons. One, he knew he recruited well enough to have the depth to replace guys if needed if someone got hurt. And two, to make his program tougher and up the competition level at USC. The that, other- that's what Lincoln Riley needs. That's what this program needs is an injection of that mentality. But the mentality starts with Lincoln Riley realizing that you have, like the media policy from earlier this year. You're in Los Angeles. All eyes are on the Trojan program from a college football standpoint. The national relevancy of USC. That's what... Pete Carroll also leaned into during that era. So, like, you're, you're in Hollywood. The media attention will be there. And instead of, I mean, not the, the players not being available, whatever. Uh, the coaches show last night certainly raised an eyebrow until you hear, hear about the illness. But, Chad, beyond that, just the, the media policy of not being able to say that a, a freshman was kind of upset and nervous about a media interview yeah. and his dad confirming it and thinking it was funny. And that's what got a reporter suspended in that market. Come on with, with this program. It's also, this program has been about flash and pizzazz and entertainment. And well, it extends past that. Remember after the loss to Utah, they had no one talk to the media. Well, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. They're ban- banning the players too yeah. from doing it. Yeah, I they, mean that's, but that's that's I mean, on top of the banning the journalist who you know got yeah. that quote from. It's just, but yet, it's different. Like, but what, what do you, what's the one word that comes to mind when you hear those stories? Soft. Yes. Bingo. And that's what the program. That's the perception. Hutton, you say all the time, perception is reality, and I, yeah. I look at that and I think that's that is but, a well, soft program that you lose a game and you can't put players out in front of the media to talk about. But, I mean, their offense, they do all the things right offensively that have the entertainment value and the flash and, uh, you know, the the plays that players across the country either want to transfer in for or want to go straight out of high school with. But it's it's a finesse approach. And that carries over, even with the media policies. It's, 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 It's hard to flip. It's hard to flip who you are. And um, I just think it's, I think it's a more difficult spot right now for Lincoln Riley than some may assume. You could do that in, Nor- in Norman, Oklahoma, right? Yeah, and it's not, it's not just, you know, it, it could be as simple as just hire a new defensive coordinator and it's fixed. But I think it goes deeper than that. that they definitely need to do that. They need to change their approach defensively, and that's going to take a new leader on defense. But I think there may be more that needs to happen here uh, with the direction of the program to get tougher. And it starts with Lincoln Riley getting tougher and Uh it probably starts with you know making your players or allowing them to speak to the media and not shutting it down because they lose a game uh tough situation for chris mad dog russo who said he would retire if the diamondbacks were going to win two games against the phillies and turns out 
They did. Arizona's in the World Series. Uh, Mad Dog has not retired yet. I'm sure SiriusXM is thrilled by this. Yeah, he doesn't he want to retire. It's funny because he went on TV uh, on MLB Network right before the game. Uh-huh. And the reporter asked him about that. And um, he said, now I want to be clear, I'm retiring from radio. I said on my radio show, I'd retire from there, from Sirius XM, but I'm still going to do my TV hits. I'm still going to come on here and first take. I'm not retiring from TV, time from radio. So before the game started, he didn't come back and say, oh, I was just, I got a little carried away and I want to keep working. He didn't say any of that. He was still holding true to, oh, I'm just retiring from radio. And then when the Diamondbacks win, which I knew was going to happen, he goes on Howard Stern's show and has Howard Stern come up with a punishment that's not retiring. Basically, let me off the hook here. What's something I can do because I want to keep working? It involves... Uh, Running in a bikini in, on a street in New York City. Yeah. Out on Times Richard Square. Richard and Sal and ping pong balls. Yeah, and making a donation to an Arizona Diamondbacks charity <laughs> of choice. Because the Diamondbacks picked it up and ran with it. They were talking about it postgame. Got to do uh, something with Benji. Their manager is saying, retire. When asked about it, I hope he retires. I hope he sticks to his word. We all want to see that. Coming up, Clay Travis joins us on Hot Mike with Hunter Winter across retired. the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. We'll uh, connect in a moment with uh, Clay Travis, getting him on the phone right now. Um, Chad. Brock Purdy is in concussion protocol for the San Francisco 49ers, and it's unlikely that he's playing this week and clearing protocol Mm. uh, for the matchup at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Crazy game there because you've got the 49ers back-to-back losses. Of course, Cincinnati started slow, and they need to get it going with Burrow, Joe Cool and company, so... Looks like Sam Darnold be the starter. Well, I wonder if they um, – uh, it would have been Trey Lance, which is interesting, right? Probably uh, before the season, yeah. before the trade. Um, man, that's tough. Brock Purdy off to an MVP-level start. And then 
this happens now, he's going to be at Sam Darnold in in San Francisco. Not something I expected to say coming into the season. Clay Travis joins us, founder of Outkick. The reason we're here with Hot Mike, with Hutton and Withrow. Clay, hope you're doing well, man. Yeah, what was that news? I, I just heard the tail end. Brock Purdy's out for how long? Uh, he's in concussion protocol. And I, I, I'm assuming, I mean, it's very difficult to clear concussion protocol before the next game if you go into it midweek. So, um, yeah, it would be Sam Darnold starting for the 49ers trying to avoid three straight losses as they take on Cincinnati uh, at home. Well, I'm glad I took the Bengals plus five and a half then. Um, but uh, that's one of my uh, one of my picks. Um, but uh, Brock Purdy, you know, I'm in a, I don't know if you ever talked about this. I'm in a super high end uh, fantasy league where everybody pays an exorbitant amount of money to be able to compete against each other. Um, Kelly uh, Stewart, who you guys have on, Kelly in Vegas is in that league. Todd Furman, uh, Scott Van Pelt, um, Several, several people in sports media, uh, Cousin Sal, my buddy uh, from, uh, from our gambling show. Anyway, Brock Purdy is my quarterback, and I already had to go to Brock Purdy because I had Aaron Rodgers, and he tore his Achilles. So I'm going to be on uh, a third quarterback here and what has otherwise uh, been a very good team so far. You're going to pick up Sam Darnold now that he's in for Brock Purdy? Is that, is that the move for you? Well, I don't know. I tried to pick up Geno Smith. There's not a lot of great uh, no. available quarterbacks, let's be honest. Go grab, uh, the, uh, go grab Will right Levis. Yeah, Will, Will Levis. Will Levis may be your play, Clay. Yeah, that's uh, – I'd rather, <laughs> you know, hit my hit my big toe with a hammer. <laughs> Uh, I, I feel like uh, Connor Stallions might want to hit his big toe with a hammer right now with this uh, Michigan controversy going on. Clay, we've been talking about it a lot from, from many different angles, and I feel like the only defense for Michigan right now is trying to prove in some way or just state that, hey, everyone does this in some capacity or another, and showing the NCAA and showing, I guess, America that that's how it goes down, or do you think this is – so far above and beyond of what they're now proving has happened with Michigan that there, there is no defense for it. Yeah, I would just stay quiet um, personally um, and dare the NCAA, the Big Ten, and Michigan to do anything. And let me break it down. Michigan's going to do nothing, all right? If you are the president of Michigan or you sit on the board of trustees, Michigan has won one half of a national championship in the last 25 years. They are right now the Vegas favorite to win the championship. They're 8-0. You will get removed from office if Michigan does anything to impede in any way this championship run. The Big Ten has got a brand new commissioner uh, that has only been there for like a year. That commissioner will never recover in the eyes of Michigan fans from instituting some form of punishment on Michigan. Finally, the NCAA is an impotent, worthless organization with no power to do anything. They're not going to do anything. And if they do do anything, it'll be like eight years from now. Um, So nothing's going to happen. And I don't know why all these people out there are like, oh, Michigan's in for it now. No, they're not. I mean, Auburn played Cam Newton. They won the national title. Anyone that has a functional brain knows that Auburn cheated and Cam Newton got paid, and they just said, prove we did something wrong, and kept playing him. Uh, And so I would imagine that'll happen. I mean, heck, Brandon Miller brought a loaded handgun to a murder scene 
but Alabama thought they might be able to win a national championship in basketball. It wasn't even football. And they kept playing him. Like, no one is a uh, Terrell Pryor. Like, no one is benching a national championship winning team. That's just not going to happen. And if the NCAA tried to do something, you know what the best thing you could do in the state of Michigan would be in terms of being an attorney general or a politician, it would be to sue the NCAA or to sue the Big Ten. Uh, so even if they tried to do something, I guarantee you the attorney general of Michigan, I don't even know where Gretchen Whitmer went to school, but Michigan is the straw that stirs the drink school in the state. You will win if you defend the University of Michigan every uh, every bit of the uh, of the elections that you could possibly ever desire to win. So um, my point on this is nothing's happened. Clay, do you think that they got a competitive advantage from this? Do you think they would be doing this if they, unless they were getting a competitive advantage from it? Yeah, I, I think it's hard to know until you were able to actually dive into it. Um, if you got that much of a competitive advantage from doing it, I think everybody would do it. Um, you know, I watched Dion talk about it. I don't know if you guys ever played the clip from Dion where he was like, even if you know exactly what a team is going to run, it's still hard oftentimes to stop them. I don't think that if you look at Michigan, they haven't given up more than 10 points to anybody so far this year. I don't think that that is so successful that that's the reason why they are dominant on the defensive side of the ball. Um, And I think you can tell a lot of things formationally by who's on the field, right? On third and eight, you're going to throw the football. Uh, on third and one, you're probably going to run the football. A lot of what you would um, uh, you know, be able to analyze from a play-calling perspective is baked in based on down and distance and probability. And so I, I, you know, I don't know how much of a, uh, of, of a benefit they would be able to get. And by the way, if you thought that they were, why wouldn't you change your signals? Yeah. Right. Like I, 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 if you really thought, oh my goodness, they know our signals. They know exactly what we're doing on every play. Why wouldn't you decide to alter your signals? It doesn't seem like that would be insanely difficult to do. Um, And then remember, I mean, this is college football. We're talking about every quarterback stands and looks over at his sideline just about to see what play call is going to come in. Right. So uh, there's a lot of adjustment going on. Both teams are standing, both the defense and the offense, and looking to opposite sides to see how to uh, to respond and react based on formation. So I, I tend to think that this is probably overplayed. Don't you just eliminate any talk of this by putting a radio device in the helmet of the quarterback like yeah, they've done well, in the NFL good. since 1994? Yeah. Yeah, that's what should happen. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why you wouldn't do it. Look, there are some things where I would say, oh, yeah, that's a clear competitive advantage, right? For instance, if you were tapping into headsets uh, when you were at home and you were hearing what the other side was saying during the course of their deliberations, I think most people would say, oh, my goodness, yeah, that's clearly cheating. Uh, trying to steal signals, doing everything you can, 
to watch, uh, you know, prior games and try to be able to get that information. To me, that is, uh, I, I have not seen anything where I think, oh, Michigan would have stunk without doing this. Well, the one area where I think this could extend beyond Michigan football and Jim Harbaugh is is this. Uh, a, I, I do think that they were getting a competitive advantage if they continue to do this. I don't think they were doing it for nothing. They were getting something from having someone on each side but it's filming so it. competitive. The college football is so competitive, and the coaches switch from teams so frequently. I really think if they were getting a massive competitive advantage, everyone would be doing that. Well, and, and it doesn't take a massive competitive advantage to go from covering the spread to not covering the spread. And we know there's always issues with gaming commissions with Iowa and Iowa State players, even if they're betting on their own teams or they're betting on sports on campus, that there's going to be sports gambling agencies looking into it. That would be the one piece of this, and I don't know how you prove it, Clay, unless you have them in written communication talking about all the signals they got and the plays they made to reverse that and the points that it created for doing that or lack of points before you have an issue with the integrity of those games being compromised because of it. That's the part of it I think is very difficult to prove one way or the other. Yeah, but I think, I mean, I mean, I would I'm a gambler and I presume that everybody's doing everything they can to win. So I actually, I'm more troubled when it comes to competitive integrity, when somebody is making a decision, like doing everything you can to win is, is actually to me a strong sign of competitive integrity. When somebody really, I get fired up and where I think it becomes very significant is when somebody is shaving points, that is trying to make sure that their team, you're trying to not perform at your absolute highest level or when an official has money on a game and he is then uh, making a different calls than he otherwise would. To me, what Michigan is doing is going at the absolute apex. Now you may, it's like Tom Brady getting uh, footballs inflated to a level that the NFL didn't like, might it make Michigan, might it make uh, the Patriots more likely to have won? Yes, but that is them doing everything they can to win, as, which, is, which is what I would expect a team to be doing as opposed to perform at their absolute apex, even if they're pushing the letter of the law uh, and the rules. Uh, as opposed to shaving and uh, and and officiating malfeasance, those are issues that I think uh, stand out. Uh, I want uh, you know this is like, do you have an issue with a? Uh, I always think it's an interesting question. Like, uh, why should players not be able to bet on themselves? Like betting against yourself, I'm like, oh man, well we can't really have that. Betting on you know if you're Floyd Mayweather and betting that you're going to win a boxing match. Uh, I don't have a problem with the, the, the fighters or the athletes putting every ounce of their selves, including their own money, on the line. Clay, do you buy into the conspiracy theory that the reason why B. John Robinson had one carry last week with 33 seconds to go in the fourth quarter, he played 13 snaps, had one carry, was because of the sports gambling aspect of the NFL and the, the online apps that certainly didn't want to provide refunds for not seeing B. John Robinson in the injury report? No, I mean, I don't think that Arthur Smith or the Falcons think about the gambling aspect. I think they're worried about the fact that they hid that injury, um, it appears, 
uh, and wanted to say, oh, no, he was fine to play. And as evidence, they point to that, that running play. Um, that to me is, uh, you know, it, it seems like they were playing games with the injury report, which is pretty significant um, in terms of, uh, in terms of the way they're, they're bound by rules. And I think it's, wasn't it like uh, back in the day, you guys may remember, didn't Bill Belichick list every player as questionable yes, every yes. week, During the week. year? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he would have yeah, a and so one. then the NFL. Yeah, I mean every player would be questionable, uh, and there was no requirement that you have to be honest back in the day. And then the NFL said, no, there'll be punishments if you decide to not be honest about your injury report. Um, and uh, and and so I think that's probably what the Falcons were afraid of. Clay, what is the blood bank guarantee this week for you? I think Tennessee is going to blow Kentucky out. Um, uh, I, I, the line, I don't know what the latest number is. Uh, I haven't checked it today, but it was around three and a half. Uh, I think Tennessee's going to win by double digits, maybe two touchdowns. Blood bank guarantee this week is the Vols on the road at Kentucky. Chad, your thoughts? Hopefully they get a more favorable whistle, uh, than they did yes. in Tuscaloosa <laughs> because that was atrocious. I've never seen ball spotting issues the yeah. way I saw with Tennessee, uh, specifically on one side and not the other. The way I saw in that game, Clay. Yeah, it was ugly. Um, and uh, look, I, you know, uh, my big issue with officials is never with, hey, did he get two feet down? Uh, was it a fumble or was it not? Judgment calls. They change the outcome of games all the time, and we allow it to happen. Even, you know, take it outside of the Tennessee-Alabama game. Um, you know, the game between the Eagles and the uh, – and the Dolphins, where Jalen Hurts gets lightly tapped, appears to basically flop, and it's roughing the passer. Or the uh, pass interference call on the Colts uh, on the final drive against the, the Browns. Oh, There's yeah. no way to defend that. It shouldn't happen. And when you get one of those judgment calls wrong, to me, you should be able to, uh, to get it taken off the board. Uh, um, because they're so incredibly important in terms of the outcome. Clay Travis has been our guest. More coming. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Thanks, Clay. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth of Peabody, our location, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Coming up in 20 minutes, Andy Staples from On3 will be with us. I just looked down at my phone and... Uh, <laughs> we're in a text with Clay No, here. like, yeah, we're in a text. I don't know if Clay's responded to our text. Oh, okay. Maybe he has. But I just got a Facebook message from someone watching... And all, all I saw was pop my phone. No, no clue the context. Just says Clay's view on Michigan is like his view on Trump. I, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what they're equating to with that. But uh, we'll that's just, interesting. Uh, forge ahead. Clay's view on Michigan. Um, 
One aspect of it I completely agree with, and I don't think, Hutton, we've ever argued that Michigan should self-impose something right now or that they need to suspend Jim Harbaugh. They're going to not mess with this season and the run they're on. They're trying to win a national title, and they've got a team that could do it. So they're not going to do anything. Hutton, you pose the question because you're right. The one person who could do something now to truly affect Michigan in this season where they have a chance at winning a national title would be Tony Petiti, Big Ten commissioner. That's not going to happen either. It's going to take months, maybe years, before the NCAA decides on anything, one way or the other. By that point, Jim Harbaugh is likely gone to the, to the NFL. And whatever happens is going to fall on Michigan and their future coach with scholarship reductions or fines or whatever it may be. But it's, it's unlikely that it's going to fall on Jim Harbaugh. Now, to Clay's second point about I just assume that everybody's doing everything to win, and if that includes cheating, I'm assuming that's going on. I think that's stretching the bounds of what's acceptable in sport a little bit too much. Uh, He was on a roll, so I couldn't throw this back in there, but are we okay with what the Astros were doing? Because technically every team could have been doing the same had they thought about it and gone to those lengths, or is what they did beyond the bounds of what most people would find acceptable in competition. That's the big question now with Michigan. And maybe some people are reading the story and saying it's not beyond the bounds. I think a lot of other people are doing it. I think they're doing the exact same thing, and I don't really care. I think most, though, are looking at it and saying, this seems like it's a big leap for Michigan to have this guy employed by the university to do just this and what they're I, doing. I just I, – the, the, the biggest question – Behind the scenes, I'd love to know is why now. And Chad, we got into this, but the the NCAA alerted the Big Ten and Michigan of this investigation last Wednesday. And to know that, but also point to the fact that they're investigating it based on allegations made by member institutions, right? Or coaches, whatever. Why why the timing of it exactly now? And it's to disrupt the the season that they're having to make sure that what happened earlier uh, last year or whatever happened this year doesn't happen on the back end of their schedule? I don't know. But whatever it was, definitely threw the, you know, the, the bait in the water for all of those that have sideline video of Michigan and Connor Stallions and can identify who he is and who he's with to go and search every piece of tape that they had you know, in the back room of a, a newsroom. And the timing of it's interesting. So, because to the, answer the, the that NCAA, question... The NCAA, I mean, they wouldn't, have that, had, they wouldn't have announced their investigation until they were actually starting it based on the allegations that came forward. To answer that question, I need to know who reported Michigan. We know that there's at least two Big Ten programs that have done it. Yes. If it's Ohio State... The assumption is Rutgers is one. Ohio, right? if, if Ohio State's the other... Of course that makes sense. Anything to throw some blood in the water and muddy things up in this season where they're playing so great and given they've beaten Ohio State two years in a row and they're going to play later in the season, well, that makes sense as to why now. So I don't don't know the answer to your question, Hutton, but thoughtfully considering it, I can't answer it unless I know the programs that reported them. And was it just Big Ten programs or – did Tennessee, Clemson, Good others yeah. that were uh, Washington, Oregon, as we heard, the Oregonian report, did these programs that were getting scouted a year ago as possible college football playoff opponents, did they also report Michigan? 
I guarantee you they're at least fielding questions from the NCAA about it, what they know about it also. Did they see someone there? Um, so I don't, I don't know why now until I know who all reported them. If it's Ohio State, I think the answer is pretty clear as to why now in the middle of this season for Michigan. Brock Purdy is in concussion protocol for the 49ers as they prepare on a short week after a Monday night loss in Minnesota. Short week as they host Cincinnati and the Bengals this upcoming Sunday. And the line has moved from five and a half, which Clay said he took the Bengals at five and a half, uh, to now three and a half. 49ers still the favorite with Purdy in concussion protocol. Uh, 49ers by three and a half currently, and Sam Darnold preparing to be the starter on Sunday. If you haven't taken your shot with points bet, now's the perfect moment. The big reason why, exclusively for first time points bet users, you can grab this unique offer up to $1,000 in second chance bets for new points bet users. If your first bet doesn't go as planned, points bet has your back with a second chance. Get this offer by visiting nowkick.com slash bet. You complete the registration process with points bet and make your first bet. And here's where uh, we can explain the second chance for you. If your first bet happens to lose, that's when the second chance bets come into play. Remember, terms and conditions apply. you got to be 21 or older in legal gambling states. Gambling problem, 1-800-GAMBLER. Head over to outkick.com slash bet right now to snag this offer. Uh, not often do you see where the Giants, uh, or what the Giants are doing, where they're, they're hiring a, a division rivals manager and were granted permission to interview said manager. Bob Melvin to the Giants, uh, leaving the uh, Padres. That, that to me, shows I, the, the Padres' failures this year. With that payroll, they're looking for a way out. The, yeah, but it's just... It, I don't know, man. If, you had a, if your rival was like, yeah, interview this person we don't want, you would hire them? It's, like, it's I, weird for the Giants. And it happens in sports all the time, It's right? weird for Fire the Giants. head coaches get rehired all the time, but... I don't know. It's just a optic optics there. Just whatever. Well, it's not even a fired head coach. It's a sitting head coach who they, yeah, who they wanted to fire, right? Who instead found another job within the division, which had to raise red flags with the Giants organization, saying, "Why are they so okay with us interviewing this guy?" And they're not going to fight it at all. And it may just be the Giants saying, "Hey, we think this guy's a good manager. It was the wrong fit there. Yeah. Things soured, and he's going to be just fine here." And we're going to be on the winning end of this within the division. They could be saying that too. I mean, the last former Giants manager, uh, you know, the, went on to something different. Not, and and Padres guy, Padres Giants now Rangers, the guy by the name of Bruce Bochy. So maybe Bob Melvin is next on that list to go Padres Giants. <laughs> and now the Giants are about to win three more World Series over the course of a decade, the way they did in the 2010s. Maybe that's what this is all lining up to happen. Chad, uh, if you look over, uh, Davey Hudson has his leg propped up. Not because he not because he's comfortable. He's probably very uncomfortable after uh, uh, he had. A I walked in today. Procedure, but he had a procedure on his on his foot done. But he yeah. had like athletic shorts on and flip flops. And I said, yeah. "This is Casual Wednesday." Yeah, and I here we we implemented Casual wear. Wednesday, not Casual leisure Friday. Wear. It's time to uh, get weird with. Let's get weird with Davy Hudson. And five, four, three, two, one. Zero talking now. I didn't want to be the guy wearing jeans and flip-flops. I've, I've never respected that man. And so I was wow. like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and just wear gym shorts. So you don't like Kenny Chesney? Uh, I like Kenny. I guess you, if that's what he does, I don't, don't respect, respect him. him. Yeah. So 
Uh, but no, it's uh, no it is shoes. it is cool. Sure, no problem. They, they said based off the procedure, make sure to wear open-toed shoes for at least the next 24 hours. So we will do that. I think maybe Matthew McConaughey also has done that before. Jeans and and flip flops and have, sandals. I might have maybe. to change my stance if that's the case. I think he wears boots more often. Maybe doesn't go to the on beach. Texas sidelines. Not a big beach guy. These clearly is Matthew uh, McConaughey going to work again? By the way, or is he just with the Texas football program now? I'd like to see him in something. Isn't so. he teaching a? He's the class direct, at the semester this year. He's the director of culture for the city of Austin. Well, it's been rumored he's going to do something with Taylor Sheridan on a Yellowstone spinoff now that Costner's out for a while. I don't know that they've started work on that. Of course, everybody's striking yeah, also, yeah. which makes that hard. So. The, these flip-flops do have a bottle opener on them, so that's wow. it's like the, the one cool thing. Corona ready. Yes. Kenny Chesney would love that. Yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, Matthew McConaughey. He played in, uh, in an attorney in the movie A Time to Kill. So he was Jake Brigantz. He was an attorney, but in real life, he's not an attorney. Well, in Kenya, for our first story, a man has been arrested after faking to be an attorney. But here's the kicker. He did win his first 26 cases. So this really casts some doubts on the Kenyan criminal justice system. Very much so. Brian Mawinda, probably mispronouncing the last name. Yeah, it's not not a great look for the Kenyan criminal justice system. That Oh, and they even go with like the Whigs, like in uh, British Parliament when they argue cases, which I, I do respect that. But uh, smart guy. Hey, I think that, look, there's good and bad of everyone. I, I don't. I could see uh, someone training themselves in law enough and not going to law school or being a certified lawyer and succeeding in some way in the courtroom. So congrats yeah, to him. But to so understand he's just, he's winning the, his mock trials that aren't mock trials. Understand all the procedure having not I, – I mean, I, I'm assuming he was at least researching – how to go about these cases on the internet to try to gather some knowledge to, to where he wouldn't seem too incompetent. But obviously it worked out. But I'm with you, Chad. I think it probably is a bigger stain on the uh, justice system of the country of Kenya. Uh, it, it reminds me, though, of, of my cousin Vinny, you know, where uh, Joe Pesci's character, uh, Vinny Gambini, is like, yeah, Jerry Gallo. And then um, he hadn't passed the bar yet, right, in that movie? I'm trying to think back to. Or did he pass the bar? I don't think. I just don't think he legally practiced anymore. I, I could be wrong, but uh, whenever the judge is like, Jerry Gallo's day, he's like, yeah, of course. So I said, Jerry Callow, C-A-L-L-O. And uh, I just love that scene. It's, it's, a, great, it's scene. a great movie. I, I revisited it uh, in the last six months. And yeah. it, it holds up. My well, cousin Vinny. Well, what this guy did to where he got arrested was there was an actual attorney named Brian Mawinda. This guy's not actually Brian Mawinda, but he went into the system uh, where I guess they had a certain... People that had passed the Kenyan bar is the best way I could describe yeah, it. He took his identity. He, yeah, he just basically took that identity, hacked into the back end, and uploaded his pictures for that guy's pictures. And the guy who was the real Brian Mawinda, based off his current position, wasn't something where he really never or he never needed to be on that site. And so a long time had gone by before he actually got on the site and realized he didn't have access to it anymore. And that's whenever this was... Uh, first realize, hey, there's something fishy going on here. I, I just uh, my big takeaway from this is Chad respects powdered wigs. Is what he I said. do. <laughs> the I, I really do. I think when you play dress up to go into court and you put on a wig and a robe like that and whatever that weird wonky tie is, I, I respect. I stand on ceremony. Is what I, I'm trying to say. I could, and I respect the ceremony of going into a courtroom. While putting on a wig and playing dress up, I could I, I kind of like it. I could be off on this, but I believe that practice started because of balding, and that they, they didn't want to have like bald heads. Like there was a because of balding, so yes. it's just like the hair club for men of the 1600s. Yes, 
And there might have been some uh, rumors at the time that, I mean, if, if you were going bald, it could have been due to, uh, like, an STD. Remember the John Adams I'm just miniseries stuff out here. It sounds on, right, but on I, HBO? I, I wouldn't quote me. Dave, you had to watch John Adams, the miniseries on HBO? No, I actually haven't seen it. Oh, my gosh. Do you it's, realize it's, how, it's bad, how bad those wigs must have smelled? Well, Paul Giamatti, Which is why they were powder, who played John Adams, I remember he takes off his wig in the miniseries, and he's bald. And I had to look up to see, was John Adams bald like that? And, of course, he was. You see him later on. But he would practice law and walk around Boston with a wig on the whole time. So not just in the courtroom, though. So it was also to cover up his bald head. Mm. He was wearing the wig. Anyway. Uh, next story, speaking of 80s movies, do you guys know where the line, want to see a dead body, is from? Stand by me. Correct. All right, well, in England, we got a situation where they thought they found a dead body. Uh, road was blocked off for uh, over 24 hours. They called in forensic teams to scour the scene for clues. What was sticking out of the ground was a hand and part of the foot, but it turns out they did not have a dead body. They just had an overused and exposed of sex toy. Did someone bury doll. it to try to make it look like a dead body, or was it it's, that just seems in the, to be the understanding? The brush. Yep. It's like we got to get rid of this, so they they partially buried it. I don't know. There's probably better Trickery ways of disposing of a here. sex doll than just burying it in the woods out back. But we thought this was a person. Turns out it was just a fleshlight. That's right. Did the sex doll have a white wig on like you would wear into Kenyan court? I don't have that information, but um, definitely powdered though. Definitely powdered. Man, definitely powdered. Cops got a laugh out of it. Davey, thank it's a waste you. of their tax dollars, if you ask me. Thank you, Davey. Davey Hudson. Yep. Getting weird with us. Coming up, Andy Staples joins us. The very latest from his perspective on Harbaugh, sign stealing, Michigan, and more.